0: It is good to be with you guys, and uh, as Marlon mentioned, uh, I do, I love this. Uh, I, I was here, I was passing around pictures earlier. Uh, I was here six years ago at this camp um, with my uh, Emory crew, and um, I love this place. It has a lot of memories for me. Um, Stephen McGinnis, who is a good friend of mine, as well as, as well as my... Um, Uh, who followed me uh, at Emory, was going to tell you some embarrassing stories about me, uh, other than just being hairy, which I am. Uh, But, so I'll tell one of myself that has to do with uh, fall conference here. Um, When I was uh, here and with RUF Emory, we always had a slip and slide out on the hill out there, a hundred feet okay 100 foot slip and slide we'll see if that happens sometime but um, uh, so uh, we would we would go and slip and slide on set, uh, uh, you know on Saturday afternoon well one time uh, I got on there um, and I hadn't tied my pants quite like I should have <laughs> and um, and so I'm just we are having so much fun you know and uh, I end up sliding down and kind of sliding off the side and it just pulled my pants off. Now, not, you know, I had, I, I was fine. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't too scary. But, um, but, but anyway, the next week, um, the next week I showed up at Large Group and it said, welcome to RUF. And it was me with my feet in the air with my uh, shorts around my ankles as, as the youth. So, that, that, I'm sure that uh, a lot of kids came back after that. It was great. Uh, I am, I'm delighted to be here and, and so excited about this weekend. I love college. I love the bubble of college. Um, it, it's a great opportunity for you to think about life. You're feeling, for some of you, you're feeling the pressures of life in adulthood, young adulthood for the first time. For some of you, you're experiencing tragedy for the first time. Um, you're also getting, some of you are getting away from uh, home life that was ugly and uh, sad for you. Um, and others of you are grieving that you're away from home and you're sad. And this is just an important time of life. And that's why uh, RUF is such an amazing ministry and, um, and I, I'm a huge fan I'm I'm on the RUF permanent committee for all of these guys and and love this place. And so hope that RUF in general is an opportunity to stretch you and for you to think differently about life and to deepen your roots in the gospel. And I hope that's true of this weekend as well. Uh, This weekend, we are basically talking about one verse the entire weekend. We're going to talk about Micah 6.8. And uh, we'll give some context to Micah, and I'll read some other passages and stuff like that. But we're going to look at Micah 6.8. And what we're really going for here uh, is sustainable justice. That how the gospel of God's grace moves us to be just people. To not simply receive God's righteousness in a courtroom somewhere, but actually for that to be uh, rooted in our lives so that we are instruments of justice in this world. And that is part of the gospel implication for us. And we're going to look at Micah, and Micah's great for that because um, and, and Micah is in the, the very end of the Old Testament for you. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn there. Um, and he's a part of uh, 12 other short books there. We refer to as the minor prophets, not because they were small people, uh, but because they 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 wrote shorter uh, treatises and um, and uh, but they they the shortness of their books um, is not indicative of uh, the fact that they don't they touch on major themes and specifically themes of justice and mercy. And if you've ever read the Minor Prophets, um, it's a little bit like a whiplash. Um, If you read the Minor Prophets, and I encourage you to do that, maybe even take some time this weekend to read through Micah. You can do that in a short amount of time. But what you'll feel is kind of ping-pong back and forth as you go through Micah and the other Minor Prophets. At one point, they'll be talking about... God's indignation and his wrath and his anger towards the rebellion of his people and around the nations in really harsh uh, tones. And then the very next verses, uh, it will be talking about the kindness and perseverance of the Lord, that he is patient and he is good. And that he doesn't treat us as our sin deserves. Now, that's not because Micah or the other minor prophets uh, kind of have ADHD and they're just kind of went back and forth uh, or they're schizophrenic in their theology or anything like that. It, it is because the gospel of Jesus Christ is complex. The gospel of Jesus speaks to our brokenness. It speaks to the injustice in the world, both that we're victim of, of and the ones that we actually are guilty of in this world. But it also talks about the justice of God on your behalf. That God in the gospel doesn't do away with justice, he meets justice head on. And um, what Micah is going to get us to think through is um, the fact that God's people uh, at that time, um, it was an affluent society um, and they were greedy and they were selfish. They overlooked the poor. Um, They would step over the hurting and the marginalized. They were kind of looking up and they were very concerned with worshiping God up here, but they never looked down and saw the people in front of them that God wanted to minister to out there. Some of you have experiences in church or with Christianity like that. And what Micah is going to say to us is I want you to be whole people, I want you to be body and soul people. I want you to, yes, indeed, deal with the courtroom of heaven, but I also want you to deal with the hurting and the brokenness of life. He's going to drive us into a whole person Christianity here. And uh, we're going to tackle Micah 6, 8 in four talks. We're going to talk tonight. Uh, We're going to talk in the morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We're going to have some good times together. And uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at just the introduction to Micah 6-8 um, and where Micah is going to lay a foundation for us. And then we're going to walk through three parts of Micah's mandate. Some people refer to Micah 6-8 as the Micah mandate, um, that, that, that is Micah's charge to us as we live out of faith. In the God who is making us whole and making all things new in the world. And we're going to actually take his mandate. I'll say this again in the morning. But we're going to take his mandate in reverse. We're going to start with uh, what it looks like to walk humbly with our God. Then we're going to look at what it looks like to love mercy or kindness. And then on Sunday we're going to really look at what it means for God's people to be a just people. That we are moving and fighting for justice. Uh, but this this evening, I want us first to look at the, the introductory statement here. And I'm going to read Micah 6.8 for us, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we'll jump in. He, God, has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly. With your God, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this time away. We pray that this conference and the enthusiasm with which we approach this time, uh, the the desire for friendships, the the desire to learn, the desire to think through the gospel more fully. We pray that you would meet us here. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower. These words that are our singing, our, our times together, the discussion in the small groups, even the, the recreation and the fun together, Lord, uh, may you build us up through this time. And Lord, for those here who need to, to be shaken, who are too comfortable, Lord, shake away. And for those of us who are timid and, and hurting, may you be gentle and kind with the words of the gospel. Lord, refresh us, we pray, and lead us in this great mandate that we might understand what it means to follow you more fully and to drink deeply from the wells of grace that you have to refresh us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, who do you listen to? I, I'm not asking about your musical choice or... Who's talking around you? I, I'm really asking the question who do you give authority to in your life? Who can talk to you? Who can tell you your breast stinks? Who can say, I know you want to go over this way, but you need to go that way? Do you give someone else authority to do that? Each one of us in here, to some extent, gives someone or groups of people authority to speak into our lives. And what happens when we give people authority, then they begin to set our values and our agenda and ultimately constructing a worldview, the way that we filter all of our experiences. So it's really important you ask yourself the question, who are you listening to? Do you let others speak in your life? Do you let, ultimately, God speak into your life? We're going to look at this concept because that's exactly where Micah starts here. Listen again to this introduction to the mandate. He has told you, God has spoken, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Our God speaks. Um, I I can't remember who uh, what all of the campus ministers here were present, but um, when I was a campus minister, we had the opportunity uh, to listen to Tim Keller. Um, and he came to his son was doing RUF at the time, Michael, and uh, he came to an RUF staff training, and um, we were talking about culture. And I think that if we're going to Understand what Micah is saying to us today in 2018 uh, on your campuses um, in order to understand are we listening to him? We need to do a little bit of cultural critique first. And and what Keller brought up in uh, his session there, which I think was tremendously profound, is fairly simple, but it's this uh, for centuries and centuries, maybe before since human history has been kind of recorded, um, in general, if we were to think about what it means to be a just person or a good person or to pursue good in the world, forever and ever and ever, the assumption was we are the antagonists in that great story. We are the bad guy in the story of good. And so it didn't, it's not just Christianity, it's other world religions throughout the centuries have kind of built on a child grows up and they try to teach them either virtues to hold on to, gods to appease, uh, ways in which they can kind of get rid of the, the things that weigh them down. There was a, a series of ways in which you get out of yourself in order that you might achieve good. Our modern culture is the exact opposite. You have been raised, and even to some extent my generation, has been raised under the diet that you don't need to listen to anyone. If someone is dissenting from you, then you need to shut your ears and you need to know what you believe and fight for it. Now there's some beautiful things there in that. You shouldn't give all of that up. But but the general idea Keller was making the point of is that before there was this achievement towards what is good, and we were striving to get there, but we were kind of holding ourselves back by our deficiencies, by our our, our immorality, our failures, our, our just dependence. And ultimately, the gospel answers that question where God doesn't just hold out the standards, but he comes down to meet the standard. But what we have done and what you hear constantly in your classrooms and on your campuses is the inverse of that. The good begins here. I'm the source of good. And so therefore, part of my moral mandate, if I want to seek justice in the world, it is to bring the good that's inside here to bear on the world. Watch out. Right, Emory? You got the Dalai Lama? Right? Part-time staff at Emory, the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama's whole notion is compassion. Where do you get compassion? Right in here. No, you do not. No, you don't. But you need to understand, we need to understand that if we're to to really begin to move towards the holistic, sustainable justice that Micah is talking about, we have to do a little bit of critique and understand, man, maybe I have inverted those things. That justice in the world, good in the world, actually doesn't begin with me. And that's exactly what Micah is saying that if we are to be advocates for justice, we are first to be recipients. That you need to listen to the God who is speaking. And if we don't do that, we mess up Christianity really, really badly. Listen to this quote from the... There's a book uh, by a guy named Sayers who wrote a book called The Disappearing Church. And he's talking about kind of how Christians are trying to live in the cultural moment of self and, and good coming from self, but they want all the good stuff from God. And he says this, Post-Christian culture attempts to retain the solace of faith, the comfort of faith, whilst gutting it of its costs, its commitments, and its restraints that the gospel places upon individual will. Post-Christianity, Uh, intuitively yearns for justice and shalom, that is peace, of the kingdom of God whilst defending the reign of the individual will. You see what's going on there? We want all the stuff of Christianity. We want the peace. We want the goodness. We'd like a little eternal life. We don't really want Almighty God. We want to kind of piecemeal those things together because we still want to be on the throne. We want to separate the fruit of the kingdom from the root. And what Micah is saying is you cannot do that. You've got to listen. You've got to receive what is good if you're going to be instruments of good. Good doesn't begin with you. It begins with the God who is good. You cannot separate the fruit from its root. There was a guy a long time ago, his name was Lawrence of Arabia. Maybe you maybe your grandfather had you sit down and watch a movie on him one time. Um, or you read a history book uh, about Lawrence of Arabia. But he was a British soldier who fought in the Middle East in World War I. And uh, he was a hero. Uh, uh, of, of the people of that context and, and one time after the war was over he was invited to a, a peace treaty to receive a gift or something like that uh, in Paris and he invited some of his friends from the Middle East to come with him because they had never been to Paris, they had never been to a, uh, a a city like that, and so uh, Lawrence of Arabia brings his uh, he brings his friends along. They get set up in the hotel, and his friends don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave the hotel whatsoever. Not because they're scared of Paris, but because they were fascinated with the faucets. They had never been around running water. They sat there with the faucet for hours. Turn it on, turn it on, turn it on, turn it on. Lawrence was going off to this meeting, and he's like, well, i got to leave these guys here. i got to go. Well, he gets an urgent message to come back, and, and uh, he returns back to them. And the hotel manager is in a frenzy uh, because these guys are trying to remove the faucets. They're like, listen, we're taking these things back home. We need water like this. And of course, what they were failing to understand, and we know is silly, is the fact that there's pipes connecting those faucets to a source that's providing that water. You can't just take a faucet and plug it on the wall and turn the tap. Ain't nothing coming out of that. But that's oftentimes the way that we approach the good in this world, the way that we approach justice. We extract from God what is good, And we try to plug it in to the way we want to do good. And we go and we turn it on and guess what? Ain't nothing coming out. Because you removed it from the source. And so what what Micah is starting off here is saying to us, listen. Listen. If you want to be an advocate for justice in the world, if you want to look for the marginalized, if you want to care for the hurting, if you don't want to be greedy, then you need to receive what is good from the God who's good. You can't just plug and play. You can't just take shalom. You can't just take justice. You can't just take mercy. You can't take just love. You and then plug it into your world and turn it on and think something good's coming out because the God of good is not in. And so Micah says, "Listen." And he says three things here that I want to say real quickly. First is the fact that our God speaks. You see, he says he has told you, oh man. The God of the Bible claims to speak because he wants to be known. God invites you to learn about him. The reason we have these 66 books over centuries written is not because they are the meanderings and the wanderings and the ideas and the concepts of men and women, but because God has shown himself that he longs to be known. Jesus said this, eternal life is knowing him and being known by him. And so our God speaks. He says, Micah says, listen, God has told you. So our God, the God of the Bible, he's not mute and he's not a puppet. If I ask you again, who do you listen to? For some of us, our temptation is to say God. But when God speaks, he sure does sound a lot like you. Right? Like a bad ventriloquist. You're like, oh God, what do you think I should do? Oh yes, I definitely think you should date her. Oh, oh really, that's amazing, that's awesome. Wait, are you worried about that? No, 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 that's great. Right, because, because we try to make God... In our own image, we try to speak for him. And the same thing happens when we talk about good. So God speaks, but he's also good. And what that means is, he says, he has told you, O man, what is good. He he speaks and he tells you what is good. Why? Because he himself is good. He tells you what is good because He is good. In other words, when we think about the good in the world, when you think about bringing good to your campus, when you think about bringing good to your dorm rooms or your fraternity or sorority houses, your friendships, your RUF, then it it is not simply taking this kind of generic concept of good and slapping an ichthus on it. That is not Christian. It is receiving what God says is good and then being led out in it. It is not. There's a common problem, I think, in our culture sometimes, and that is to take a concept of good or love, to raise it up and then judge God against it. Some of you have done that. I've been tempted to do that. We think of what is good, and then we read the Bible and go, well, God, I don't know that you meet that standard. God has no idol. He is good. He's not trying to live up to our aspirations of what we say is good. He is saying, if you want to be instruments of justice and mercy in this world, then you've got to let me speak. And you've got to let me tell you what is good. There was a guy named Rob Bell. Maybe you've watched some of his NUMA videos. Um, he's kind of out of vogue now. He's hanging out with Oprah all the time. But he, uh, he, he was very influential for quite a few years, and he wrote a book called Love Wins, and that sounds awesome. Um, and um, he's a very winsome guy. He's a very uh, thoughtful guy. Um, But what he unfortunately did in Love's Wins is he did exactly what we're talking about. Instead of listening to what God says and says, let me speak, let me have authority to tell you what is good. What what Rob Bell ended up doing is basically taking this concept of love and then reassessing and reimagining the whole of the Christian faith through his lens. And the problem with that is, it basically does exactly what we said in the beginning. It puts me as the author of good. Goodness comes from me. I'm the one who defines what is good. And so, brothers and sisters, my desire for you if we are going to move for Micah into justice, into mercy, then we have to begin with receiving. Not talking, not tweeting. Right? Social justice warriors, you know, enjoying, a, you know, a, fighting the world's causes from the comfort of your couch with a $5 latte. And what God is saying is if you're going to truly be instruments of justice, if you're truly going to do good, sustainable good in this world, not just pick a fight on Facebook. I'll tell you what Facebook is sometimes. Just kidding. That that you're actually going to receive what I'm saying. And you're going to let me speak. And I'm going to tell you what is good. And I'm going to lead you in to something that is sustainable and beautiful. One other thing about the fact that God says that I told you what is good. If God is good and He is the source of good... Then, when we think about doing justice uh, and, and loving mercy and walking humbly, we're not simply talking about actions, but abiding. Because if He is the source of good, if we're ultimately going to be led into good, then we need connection with the one who is good. So, we don't just take this Bible and we kind of pull out some justice principles. I don't know if any of you are fans you know, of the, the 12, uh, uh, 12 Rules of Life, Peterson's book. He's this thoughtful guy, but what he basically does is put Jesus in the ju- juicer. He takes the Bible and he spits it into the juicer. He extracts all of the fiber in the pulp and he just takes away the things that he thinks are sweet. And Micah is saying, no, you got to listen. I'm the one who is good. You need connection with me. The last thing is this is that if God is speaking and he is good, then it makes sense that he speaks good. Now that sounds silly, so it sounds like saying, you know, God is good and God speaks good, and God is the best good, right? I have a seven-year-old along with a 16 and a 14-year-old, and, you know, he always gets into those kind of arguments with his friends in the back seat, and he's like, well, I'm the best. Oh, no, I'm the best. I'm the goodest best. Oh, you're the best goodest? Yeah, well, I'm infinity gooder than you. (laughs) And you're like, I don't think y'all know what you're talking about. (laughs) But if you'll allow me to say it, I, I think what... What we want you to understand, what I know your campus ministers and interns and the staff here want you to understand and want you to wrestle with. And even as we talk about a topic that sometimes the church doesn't talk about, justice, or we try to sidestep it and push it off to the side, but we're going to bring it to the center today. And is the fact that God who speaks and who speaks good speaks infinite good. That he speaks the best word of justice. That he is the source of truly good news. Because it is not a source that is found from within. That puts us at the center of our own story. Because that's great when you're 18 and you're 20 and you and everybody's telling you you're amazing, you're the best bestest best person when you're 42 and you can't deceive yourself any longer and life comes and crashes down on you some of you are already experiencing that you need a justice and mercy outsiders you need a better good news than you can muster it is actually crushing to believe oftentimes the mantras that are happening around our campus of, like, the children are our future. What was the Mercer s- saying again? Everybody comes to Mercer to change the world. What was it? At Mercer, everyone majors in changing the world. Say it one more time. At Mercer, everyone majors in changing the world. Yes. At Mercer, everyone majors in changing the world. I mean, aren't y'all feeling better? Right? I mean, I I, I like it. But if you're the center of your own story, we are all doomed. Because you don't have that good news. And when you speak, unless it's the Word of God, it is not that good. And so what Micah's going to do for us is this. He wants to pull us out of ourselves. He wants us to be thoughtful about who we give authority to. And he wants to say, let me speak to you. Let me, for some of you who are here are not Christians, or you're skeptical or you're burned out and you're frustrated and you're you're leery of this whole Christianity thing, first off, let me tell you, thank you for being here and this is a good space for you. No one's strong-arming you here. But what we also want to invite you to do is to think about the best good news. And maybe that is starting... By receiving. That he has spoken. He has said. He is good. Let me pray for us. Our Father and our God, we thank you for speaking. We thank you that you are not mute and you are not silent. We thank you that you are holy and good. And Father, as we open ourselves up this weekend to think about justice and mercy, to think about what it means to walk humbly. Lord, we pray that You would be present. You would shape us by Your Word. You would shape us by our friendships. And You would shape us, Lord, by receiving the, what You have spoken, what is good. We bless You and praise You. In Christ's name, amen.